on ecumenical matter. Hello and welcome to Ecumenical Matters, the Father Ted podcast. I'm here, your host, James, and I'm here with one of our regular guests today. It's a pretty quiet podcast today. We have Vince on the mic. How are you doing, Vince? Yeah, I'm doing all right. Bit tired today, but... Uh, ah, well, hopefully we can perk you up with a bit of Father Ted. This episode is Season 1, Episode 4, Competition Time, where Ted and uh, the crew, Ted and the gang, the Islanders, what should we call them? The Craggies. The Craggies, no, it doesn't really work. The three priests decide that they're going to enter a Stars in Your Eyes type competition. Turns out that they're all dressed up as the same Elvis character, so they're having a bit of a, a bit of a tete-a-tete. We do have an appearance by one of the classic characters in Henry Sellers, and we'll get to chat about him. And there's a few other characters that got a bit overlooked in the episode that I want to bring up as well, so we'll have a, we'll have a good chat. First thing to say, the second in a row, another Stone Cold classic. Would you agree? Yeah, this is one of the classics. As soon as I sing... Obviously, Ted coming in as Elvis. I remember the episode right off of that. Knew exactly what was happening with it. Well, that's it. I mean, we've been noticing a little dotted references to Elvis throughout the first three or four episodes there, and this is where it all comes to fruition. It comes to a head uh, when they have a look-like competition. They all want to go as Elvis. Yeah, every single one of them is going as him. It, I say, it causes a wee bit of a. Bit of a tiff between Ted and Dougal. Yeah, first time Ted's actually been mad at Dougal. So we have seen, uh, we have seen Ted, you know, shut Dougal down when he's just getting on his nerves a wee bit. Yeah. But this is the first time when Ted's outright hostile, hostile to him. So he actually gives him the, the silent treatment. He's great, isn't he, Ted? Henry, and he'll be here any second. Are you excited, Ted? Henry Sellers. Look at him there asking the question. Yeah, he's just ignoring him. Going back to an older episode, my favourite moment of that has to... I have to stop you there, Dougal. Why? What's wrong with this? No, I just have to stop you. Just have to stop you. Just one of my favourite lines. He's just so above it. But this is, as you said, the first time he's actually kind of throwing the huff of him. He's being... He's kind of getting on like a child himself over it. And he does... Uh, it, it passes pretty quickly. But I do want to go into this this guy that they keep dressing up as. I'm not sure if you've ever heard of Elvis Aaron Presley. He was born in January 8th, 1935 in Tupelo, Mississippi. And died in August 16, 1977. Could go on. He seems to have quite a long-ranging career. Uh... You're supposed to laugh at this point by the fact that I'm going into this full full diatribe biography <laughs> about Elvis Presley because everybody knows Elvis Presley. Nah, never heard of him. In serious though, you must have you must have some like references to him. Like yeah. cause his legacy is pretty unprecedented. Like you could ask an eight year old have they ever heard of Elvis Presley, and it's likely that at least have heard of him. They might not yeah. know his music, but they would at least know the name. Yeah, exactly. And, and the only... look of him. Sorry, and the look, and the look. He's got the, an iconic look. Yeah, the the quiffed back hair and the the shaking hips and stuff. Yeah. So that's you know when was he active in the fifties? That's over sixty years now. Yeah. Sixty five years. He's not on the radio all the time or anything like the. You know, no, you don't really hear his music played on the radio unless you go to a, a station dedicated to oldies and stuff. Yeah. But you know, it's one of the things you would hear him in films or sometimes TV shows and all. Well, even that, not not so much like uh, so if much you now. compare it to how much Rolling Stones, for example, are used in films and TV shows. They just, like every Scorsese film, pretty much has a Rolling Stones song in it. Yeah. Whereas the Beatles and Elvis, they didn't really have, they didn't really release their and license their music that much, but they still managed to keep that mystique of it. In 1958, I did want to bring this up actually, just to, when they go through the biography of Elvis at the end, spoiler alert, they all go as Elvis, they mentioned that he was drafted into the US Army in 1958. Now, to put that into context, he had just started making hits in about 1955. Yeah. Three years later, he's drafted out to a war, to a war zone. Like, that is freaking mental when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, definitely a stopgap in his career. Well, imagine imagine Zayn Malik or somebody like from One Direction was suddenly drafted. That's who you went for? Well, to put it into perspective... Of all, of all the bands and stuff you like, you went for One Direction. 
Well, to put it in perspective, the biggest hitmaker of the of the day. Yeah. Like I'm not going to say Los Capacinos because nobody's heard of them. But, True. Yeah. So imagine like the most famous pop star, like Ed Sheeran or something. Yeah. Taken away and for ten years on a freaking frontline war effort like that. It's freaking mental when you think about it. Yeah. And the, what makes it even better is that he did survive. Well, yeah, but well, I, think, I think he was an Air Force pilot, ah, right. so he wasn't quite on the exact front line. Okay. And if if my history is accurate, which probably isn't, I think it was a Korean War. Yeah, which I think the Americans had a bit more. They, they had definitely had more muscle going into it than than Vietnam, for example. Basically, I may be wrong about all this, but we'll pretend you're right. We'll, we'll just assume I'm right. And yeah. You know, we can Elvis Estate can sue me if I've got the <laughs> But you can't libel a dead person, just remember that. Allegedly. Uh, yeah. They all went for the black leather era Elvis. Now, that to me is the iconic 50s Elvis, is it not? Yeah. Yeah, when they all dress up at the start, they're like that. Mm. But at the end, as you said, they go through the three stages of Elvis. So Dougal is sort of the flashy kind of colours and but stuff. That's, and see, that's what I'm saying. I think they got that wrong. I think they got that mixed up. Probably. It might be a mistake on the you know, the writer's part or the costume design part. Yeah. Or it could just be a stupid throwaway joke that they don't know as much about him as maybe they think. Uh, well, I think, I think it was. I think it's the least likely. Well, I think it was an artistic decision, because we'll talk about Declan Lowney, the, the director, in a minute as well. I think just because Dougal would have looked funnier in yeah. the sequence than Ted would have. Yeah, because uh, I, I definitely think like the you know the motorcycle black leather look of Elvis was in the the fifties when Teddy Boys were starting to yeah, emerge yeah. in American culture. I think it was. I don't actually recognize an, an era of Elvis, and I'm not a massive Elvis fan by any stretch. But I don't recognize a sequence where he had a pink sequenced jacket and a yellow trousers. It's quite the number that Dougal managed to forage out on a, at a moment's notice. Like, yeah, they only had a few hours to actually get this. The way that Jack dressed up, uh, not even just because of the costume himself, but the fact that he's sitting in his chair. It's all designed as well to look like it would belong to Elvis. Uh, you say sit in his chair. Uh, I did notice it was very specifically a throne, because as yeah. we know, Elvis died on, on the, the throne. Yeah, I see. But yeah, that, that's some of the direction from Declan Lowney there. And I do want to talk about him, because we haven't actually really mentioned him. And I think he, his input gets a bit overlooked when people look back at Father Ted, because we have mentioned in the episodes all the little details, like, you know, the grubbiness behind Jack's chair yeah. and the tobacco stains on his fingers and everything. And every beat is perfect. Like, every visual beat is always on the nose. It's always absolutely perfect. And one of the little touches I saw today was when Ted was given Dougal the silent treatment. He was reading Halo magazine, yep. <laughs> which was a parody of Hello magazine. Have you ever seen an issue of Hello magazine? Yeah, in the shops and stuff. And you haven't flicked through one at any point now. Yeah, I, when I used to work in retail, there would always be one on the canteen table. Need something to do on your break, so you had to flick through just to see what absolute nonsense was in there. It's weird, like Hello magazine. Like it's not just celebrity gossip. It's a very specific, sycophantic, imperialistic wet dream celebrity gossip. Yeah. Just in researching here, I just went on hello.co.uk. The first four stories were about different princesses. Uh, there, And the first story that was not about a princess was about to castle the TV show. Nathan Fillion. I love Nathan Fillion. Well, apparently he might, uh, might get cancelled. That's not surprising. <laughs> he he <laughs> seems to get in a lot of shows that are cancelled. He's from uh, Firefly as well, doesn't he? Well, he's only been in like one show that's been cancelled, really. No, potentially two. No, two. And at least Firefly, you got a film out of it as well. I don't particularly find him... What, what do you love about him? He seems very 
He's just he's got a really good charisma about him. He's, Does he though? He's, he's very charismatic. He's a very likable person, and even just when he's acting and stuff, he granted he's not been in the best fucking things. Like I'm the first one to throw my hands up and say Firefly is a load of shit, but I still really enjoy it. See, I, I didn't enjoy it. I think I might have been watching the wrong the wrong stage of life or something. Yeah, but no, he's just he's a very likable person. Even just when you see him interacting and stuff with his fans and all, he's just very genuine. You know, he seems to accept that, okay, this is what I'm known for, and he embraces that. Yeah, so, like, Declan Lowney, I mean, he's gone on to quite a lot of different things. Do you remember Alpha Papa, the Alan Partridge movie? Uh, yes, I he, didn't see it, but I remember it got. I think that's made. that's probably his biggest gig so far. But he has done things like Moon Boy and other sitcoms and stuff. So, I mean, he's like I said, like every beat in Father's Head, every jumper that's chosen, every like background prop, it's all perfect. Like every angle, like there was a surreal bit today. Ted's trying to see if if uh, Jack is fine after drinking the toilet duck. Yeah, and he's holding up three fingers, like. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, that visual is just absolutely perfect, and it's got a sort of semi horror film type uh, look to it. Yeah, but still, it maintains uh, it's still within like a the context of the show. It doesn't seem out of place in the show or anything. It's it makes sense exactly. And he did direct pretty much every episode. I think might be one or two where he didn't, but you know, it's Declan Lowney. He really should be. I mean, I'm as guilty as anyone, but he really should be credited as much as Graham and Arthur. Yeah, for the success of Father Ted, like because they're more. Like, just the writers, aren't they? Well, uh, they seem to have a lot of creative control from the start, but I think that's because Declan Lowney was on board from the start. Yeah. As in, he was on board with the idea and they wanted to carry it through together. Uh, because, like like we mentioned on the first episode, the casting is perfect. Now, the director would have much more input into that than the writers would, I would say. But, like, I'm just speculating all here that it might be bullshit. Yeah. But, you know, if a Declan Lowney, good... <laughs> I think it's a thumbs up from Maka. Exactly. Now, Mrs. Doyle, she's heard that the priests are coming over for the stars in their eyes. Is Father Kiernan coming? He won't be, no. He's a great laugh. I remember him last year telling all his stories. He had me in stitches. You know, it is true what they say about chubby men, isn't it? They are jollier than the rest of us. They have a way of looking at things. He shot himself. I suppose that's often the way with fat men, isn't it? They laugh to hide the tears. But that's life. Happy one minute. And the next, I suppose, you just go and shoot yourself and that's that. (laughs) So chubby men, they have a way of looking at things. They're always jolly, you see. Except their joy is hiding their tears. I thought, that was a, I thought that was a great line just by Mrs Doyle. She seems like she's quite excited that this guy might be coming over. And then when she finds out that, oh, he blasts himself in the face, she doesn't even acknowledge it. She just kind of goes, well, you know, they always say chubby men hide your tears or whatever it is, something yeah. along those lines. She just completely skips over the fact that this man has committed suicide. Yeah, she went from, oh, I can't wait to see him, to, oh, okay then. Well, who else is coming? <laughs> <laughs> Basically, it's just the fact that anybody is coming to the islands. Probably, Mrs. Oil just absolutely loves it. I suppose. I think it's because she has a real desire to serve people. Mm. So if somebody else is coming, that's another person to serve. So she'd probably be really good as a sub in a dominatrix-style relationship. You had to bring it there, Vince. Go on, expound on your point, then. What? Just saying, she likes to serve. That doesn't. Well, is a BDSM necessarily sexual? I don't think Mrs. Doyle is sexual. Like she doesn't have children, like for example. That's because she's too busy getting whipped. No, like, no, no. I don't think Mrs. Doyle would be in, into all that sort of thing. I think mean, no. she's happy where she is. <laughs> yeah, she probably is happy where she is. But I've got nothing else to say on that. <laughs> <laughs> I can see where you're coming from in that she seems to have a serv- servile persona. Yeah. 
But to she, extrapolate that straight into it's, she wants bondage and sadomasochism. Nah, probably the way around. If, she, if, if anything, she'd probably be the dominatrix with sandwiches because she's determined for people to eat her stuff. She's like comes in and she's really forceful with it and that's very true actually you know it's probably less that she wants to serve you to make you happy so she wants to serve you to make her happy yeah she wants the the credits or or something or she wants she wants to know that it was her that that force fed you those those sherries and stuff yeah exactly she wants it knowing that she helped in some way she wants acknowledgement for just the simplest actions and even then she's forcing them so (laughs) (laughs) We have a very, very important first appearance today. In fact, there's a few first appearances, but the, the most significant one is uh, Dick Byrne. You know, Dick Byrne from Rugged Island. I know, I just watched the episode and I forgot who he was. Jesus Christ, Vince, you have Dick Byrne. I've got a head like a sieve. So I, they're from Rugged Island? Rugged, R-U-G-G-E-D. Is that because they actually look like rugged kind of men? Uh, I think it's more that one island is craggy and the other, and the other one's is rugged. rugged. Yeah. So it's because... There's a nice contrast between the characters on Rugged Island and Ted's group in that they're all the exact same, but then you look at them and they all look a bit more reasonable in looks. Uh, the Rugged Island ones? Yeah. Yeah, th- yeah. they're slightly more polished. So that's, that's why yeah. I was thinking, is it, did they uh, call it Rugged Island because of The them? Rugged Good Looks? Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't say that. Uh, well, possibly. I mean, I don't, I've never heard any, any origin story of the name or anything. It's just, yeah. that was just what I went to. One was craggy and one was rugged. Yeah. So. That's how you think about it. You look at all the people on Craggy Island and they look like shit. Yeah. Like nobody looks reasonable. Then you look at the people from Rugged Island, even the alcoholic priest looks reasonable. Yeah, compared to, well, compared to Jack. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, anybody looks reasonable compared to him. Yeah. And I, I would say Dougal looks pretty reasonable considering everyone seems to think I look like him. So. Yeah, but. Then Dougal's also an idiot. Yeah, but so is Cyril. Yeah, that's very true. Cyril McGill. Very, very true. You know, this is the first appearance of the Rugged Island Priest, and this will obviously go on to form one of the biggest rivalries in the show. And not just that, I think it's sort of gone beyond just Father Ted to be one of the great rivalries in TV. There was an article in AV Club where they compared it to the Springfield-Shelbyville rivalry hmm. in The Simpsons. I think the Springfield-Shelbyville rivalry had already been established by this point. Yeah, it would have been. I'm trying to think, though, how early had they started establishing Shelbyville? Like, they, they mentioned that a town was next to Springfield, but... Even when they were mentioning it, there was always that hint of a rivalry. Like, they always hated Shelbyville yeah. and stuff, so there was always mentions of it, at least. Well, if this is 95, so The Simpsons would have been at probably around season 6, so I'd imagine it was well established by that yeah, point. Probably um, for about, what... Seven years at that point or something. Yeah, so yeah, it was. It was I think the first season went was started in 1990 and then on from there. Yeah, it will go on to form one of the major storylines as well in the third series, which we'll get to when we come to that. And I'll leave Morris O'Donoghue's biography, who plays Father Dick Byrne. We'll save his biography to another rivalry episode that's coming up next year. Uh, it's actually a Eurovision episode. I'm already looking for guests for that one. It's a shame we couldn't actually record it today because I think Eurovision's on this weekend, is it? Yeah, it was, yeah. A uh, guy I watch on YouTube, he's from Belfast. He's over there now for it all. Who, who's that? Uh, Cardinal Smith. What, is he, what kind of videos is he? Uh, he's a Let's Player as well. Oh, okay, right. So what's he videos and stuff. Is he doing anything with Eurovision or is he just... No, he just went over. Oh, just because he's your fan? Probably because he hates his ears, I don't know. Well, Eurovision has a massive. Well, we'll talk about that uh, for another on the, time on the Eurovision episode. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil our discussion. <laughs> Douglas had quite a few celebrity encounters, and one in particular that he seems to have sort of passed by is that he's met uh, a very important person <laughs> in his organisation. Yeah. Well, let's roll the clip and we'll see who it is. 
I've never met a celebrity before. You met the Pope? Did I? <laughs> Don't you remember when we were in Rome? That was the Pope. <laughs> that fellow living in the art gallery. The Vatican Dougal. <laughs> All the same, I wouldn't say he's a celebrity, like in the true sense of the word, you know. The Pope is God's representative on Earth, Dougal. You'd think he'd be taller. So, Dougal's met the Pope. JP himself. Has he, though? He has. He's in the, in the big art gallery. Yeah, but he wasn't sure himself. He didn't right. even know. He said he thought he'd be taller. And Ted, Ted was with him, so Ted's met the Pope as well. Yeah. So but that's a big deal for a priest, especially... Apparently not to Dougal, though. But then, as we established in the first episode, Dougal clearly doesn't really care about the priesthood. Yeah, and he seems to be coasting through it with a great career potential, but he just he doesn't even realise how good he's got it as far as being a yeah. priest is concerned. God, he's... I love being a priest. <laughs> I don't think he does, though. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, he even said it in the first episode. It's like, I wish I wasn't a priest. Because mm, he was a bit huffy that he couldn't get onto the Funland rides. Yeah. He's met the Pope. From what we can gather, he had the, the parish in Black Rock. Koshiwi number there. You know, he's, he's done a right few things. This was last week, you weren't here. Black I Rock. Wasn't. Len Brennan went through their sort of backstories last week and showed how Ted had lost the money and that Jack had done something at a wedding in Athlone and Dougal had to quote it, the incident in Black Rock. They went to lives were in danger and Dougal turned around and said, uh, there were only nuns. <laughs> but Black so Rock, that's actually quite sexist then for a priest as well well they're only nuns they're not people they're, they're, it's not, he didn't say about women he said nuns but I think nuns are women like only women can only, be nuns yeah so but sexism in the priesthood don't how could you hear something? <laughs> you know women aren't allowed to be priests of course you know it's not like the it's not like the old Protestants where you can have female vicars I was about to say like what about the vicar of Dibley but then yeah, the vicar, yeah. Uh, do you know Anne Whittacombe uh, a politician yeah. She actually left one of the churches in England, one of the Protestant churches, to, and converted to Catholicism because they allowed women vicars. That, that sort of mindset is just mental to me, but never mind. Yeah. Watching Father Ted as a kid, because I haven't watched it really since I was a kid, so watching these episodes now has been a lot better for me because I, I get a lot more of the jokes and stuff and I'm actually paying attention to what's happening. But how did Ted lose the money? Like, what was the whole money thing about? Uh, he always says it was just resting in my account. He hasn't said that yet. He hasn't said it yet? No, he hasn't said He didn't say that last week. So all we know is the money's gone missing, and he went to Las Vegas when a wee girl was supposed to be going to Lourdes. Right, so, so she was probably getting that money because she was sick or something? Yeah, so probably a fundraising thing to get her to Lourdes, because Lourdes a pilgrimage and everything. Yeah. And he just, he went to Las Vegas. Right, so... He, he, and he denies, he denies it all, by the way, just for, you know, for balance. Yeah, Ted denies all charges. Yeah, yeah obviously, because I always had it in my head that for whatever reason, Ted was never a priest. He just somehow acquired this money, lost it all, and then had to go into the priesthood. But that's um, again, it's because when I was watching as a child, I wasn't really paying attention to any like ongoing stories or anything like that. Even from the first episode, now he's making references to like when he has been a priest, and it seems like it was quite a while ago that he has been a priest. He's been it for a while. Well, see, Craig so, Island... Now that I know that, the whole money thing makes more sense yeah. to me. Craig Island, for a priest, is another cushiony number, but you, you'd just be bored of your tree, like. Yeah. And that's what Ted's problem is. Yeah, he's got nothing to do. I mean, yeah. even when the funfire comes to town, it's a piece of shit. Yeah, like, he, he's used to the glitz and glamour of the big city, probably. Yeah, I mean, he went Wexford. to Vegas. He was in Wexford. Wexford. But even Wexford would be nicer, you know, you're within an hour's drive of Dublin and stuff. Exactly, so. he's actually got things he can do. Yeah, yeah. So this, like, he's probably just going out of his tree, and basically the reason he's on Craggy Island is because Len's been punishing him. Yeah. So we have then the introduction to the classic character, and the classic character is Henry Sellers. 
I made a BBC. <laughs> so, does he appear in more episodes? Uh, no, he doesn't. No, he's a uh, one-off character. I kind of because I only ever remember him from this episode. Yeah. So, I was kind of unsure if maybe I'd missed something. I'm, uh, I'm trying to think. I was on the impression that Father Stone revisits again. Uh, might be wrong about that. Does he come back? I d- don't know. I could we'll, we'll, have a, we'll have a look at that. I'm sure he some... might like appear in the background or something. Maybe like you know, in a group of priests or something like that. Well, I thought I thought he was in two different episodes, but I might have just watched the one episode in two separate parts. Just watched it twice. So I, I might be wrong about that. I don't actually think many of the guest stars actually come back. I was going to say it was a very unmemorable episode anyway. So you probably forgot it the first time. Watched the game. It was like, oh, he's back. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, that's it. It's a forgettable episode, but it's a remem- it's a memorable character. Yeah. So you know, maybe I just didn't put the two together. <laughs> But Henry Sellers is possibly based on Henry Kelly from Game of Thrones. Or Game, of Game of Thrones, really? <laughs> Going for gold. <laughs> Going for gold? What's Remember that? that? Now, Henry Kelly, there's no suggestion that he's been anything but a professional throughout his career. And he's had a reason, He's had a successful career. Going for gold was this TV quiz show on about 2pm, uh, just every day of the week on BBC Two or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually completely forgot, but they had contestants from all over the EU. So they'd have oh, really? ones from Denmark, and they'd come. The BBC would invite them over, and they'd, they'd do the quiz show in English. And you know, this is back in the time when y- you could be friends with their, your EU colleagues and not have to worry about what walls are going up or how many immigrants are letting in or anything. Yeah, I actually loved the show. Actually, um, I used to watch it with Granny and everything, and he was a real Granny's favorite, uh, Henry Kelly. So that's where probably the Henry Sellers character came from, hosting the, the little show. Yeah, I guess because even when they show his show. To you, Monica, for a five-point question. The capital of England, is it New York, London, or Munich? I'll give you a clue. You live there. On it, it's just two wee old women who very clearly are either senile or have dementia or something, but... They're not all there. They're not. not. And that's something I do want to bring up at some point in the podcast. Um, Vince, I might save it for the football episode in season three. Mm -hmm. Portrayal of old people in the show. Yeah. I don't know if it strikes a balance just right. It might do when we look back on all the episodes. But like you said, the the two two wee old women there were portrayed as sort of just sort of a bit dotty. Just uh, over-exaggerated for the sake of comedy. Well, last week there was two pensionable-aged women and they were, you know, feisty... You know, go get her. She wants to go see this soft porn film in the cinema and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so you know they, they do have the balance is there, but then you know when you look at Jack and all the other old priests, and then you look at some of the other older characters. But we'll have a look. It is one of the shows that actually has quite a lot of old characters. They are sort of characters, but maybe they are a bit caricatured as well. But they, yeah, they're, they're much more meaty than the, than the portrayal of old people in other shows, especially of the time. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah, one of the other things I meant, I meant to mention about going for gold. It had a season arc, so um, so you'd have four players, and the next the winner would go through in the next episode next week, and then you'd yeah. have one person who won the grand prize, which one year was to go to see the Olympics, and then the next year was go to see go to the Gold Coast and stuff. So there's always something gold. But the theme tune was composed by Hans Zimmer. Hans Fuck fucking, off! Hans fucking Zimmer composed Fuck, it. Play that theme tune. Uh, it's the cheesiest synth pop you can ever imagine, and you have to think. How did this guy get onto the dark Going night? for gold is Going done for... by Hans Zimmer. Yeah. Going for gold. 
let's welcome your host, Henry Kelly. Going for going for goals. That is hands down the fucking most like 80s sort of 90s TV show. Most Hans Zimmer. Yeah. No, that is like it. It sounds like they just went look, just make the most stereotypical theme for a shitty UK competition quiz show thingy. Yeah, and just go for it. And he went, I've got it. And he go came out with that piece of shit. It's not too bad. It's catchy, like. But I, I was searching uh, going for gold on Wikipedia. I genuinely thought that was a vandalism on the article. I thought somebody was was pissing around. I had to actually check like two separate right. sources. And I have, I've got it confirmed. Like he did an interview in Empire magazine where he confirmed it. But that's a why would you confirm that? You would deny it because it was his first big break. That was his first thing. Like he was getting royalties. That's his idea. It was big break. Yes, if you're a freaking, if you're a working artist, Vince, any money you can get. Just, well, see, people who aren't working artists think, oh god, why would you lower yourself to that? Because you need to fucking pay bills. That's why. <laughs> you need to, like he he actually said in the Empire article that's what. Uh, that's what helped me get to Britain to do the British cinema and then from Britain I was able then to go into Hollywood so yeah. it was the fact that going for gold the royalties he was getting from that every six months were yeah it helped him out his quite a lot and stuff yeah Ted is the one and only Mother Teresa and he actually looks pretty well in a in a Brother Teresa costume do you not think trying to say you have a wee thing for Ted as a woman no I'm just saying he, if he ever thought of going that way if uh, he went to the cross-dressing side of things he's he's got a future there like he did look extremely happy he did, yeah. Yeah, so. he had like a pretty big grin. He had a bit of a shit-eating grin on his face. I mean, and all, he had, all he had was almost like a tea towel over his head, or what yeah. it looked like. But, you know, he could pull it off. And Ted, when he went to Mrs Doyle to do something, all he does is... He clicks his fingers just to get the sandwiches. Which is... You know, that's that's some good that's some good servitude from Mrs Doyle there. Well, that's what I'm coming back to. I mean, she, she likes to serve. So I guess uh, if he's clicking his fingers for her to come over... Then she's taking that as he needs me. Ted! <laughs> Barty. Good to see you. Sit down there. <laughs> it's good to be on Craggy Island again. <laughs> God, I haven't seen you in ages. <laughs> I remember the last time I was here. <laughs> oh, we had that funny incident, remember? <laughs> I suppose, I suppose you've forgotten all about it. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the type of thing, you know. <laughs> uh, what, 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 what is this? What is this? The last time Father yeah. Dunn was with us, yeah. Father Jack lost his slippers. It <laughs> 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 was, was a bit like... <laughs> he had us looking... Everywhere for them. <laughs> it was a bit like the type of thing, you know. <laughs> we found them after a while. It was a bit like... <laughs> oh, 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 Lord. How long was the car journey? Four hours. So that was Father Barty Dunn. I, I think he was a great character, and he was completely overshadowed in this episode. I really like him just because he never actually gets a line out. Yeah, like his line is literally just ha ha ha. That's it. Doesn't actually get any proper sentences out. Well, I, I do know people like that. I'm sure you've been in a situation like that where you've been so you know tickled pink by something you can't actually tell people what the thing is. You're, you're describing a story and it's like you can't actually get to the end of it, and everyone else is just looking at you and thinking like you're an absolute idiot. Yeah, and the worst bit about it is you just like him. You're trying to get the story out, and it turns out it was the 
dumbest story ever because he's laughing his ass off about the, the last time he was there and it turns out it was just Jack lost his slippers yeah uh, well, probably hilarious had to be there sort of moment yeah exactly but Ted was there and he didn't seem to find it quite as funny no but uh, you know you have met people who just find everything hilarious and they can't actually finish a sentence definitely yeah uh, I know myself I, it happens to me all the time like if I if something really tickles me that'll be me gone for maybe 10, 20 minutes just laughing my ass off about it nice. non-stop and I can't get any words out about it 20 minutes? Jeez, that's some session you that's an, laughing. <laughs> an exaggeration but it'll yeah. pop into my head again later on and I'll start laughing and you start giggling again yeah his name Barty Dunn Barty Dunn Barty Barty I don't know if that was the Simpsons reference to Bart but Barty I like that it's but interesting because his name because he is a priest could be Bartholomew well yeah it probably would be uh, well you know the name Barry yeah, it's just Barry. a shortened version of Bartholomew, just like Bart and like well, Barty. I've just never heard the word Barty before. Barty, yeah, Barty Dunn. It it kind of rolls off the tongue nicely. Barty Dunn. Barty Dunn. Yeah. Barty Dunn. But I, I think he's completely overshadowed in this episode because we really? had Peter Sellers, or sorry, Henry Sellers. Peter Sellers. Yeah, Peter Sellers coming into the fucking pink popper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we had Henry Sellers. Uh, just well, obviously like, the whole story is about him, uh, and then you also had the introduction of Dick Byrne. So there was two like monumental characters were introduced, and then Barty Dunn was just there laughing about it in the background. Yeah, the car journey was four hours to get uh, to get Henry. So what I imagine happened is Henry flew in from London into Dublin Airport, and Barty picked him up from there and then drove him to the Craggy Island. Yeah, like he must be so excited on the way to the airport. He must have just been laughing his head off just in the car on his own about the slippers. Yeah, because you don't really. <laughs> <laughs> just imagine him in his car just yeah, laughing his just, ass off the whole way yeah just absolutely hilarious every traffic like, light <laughs> every every line he has in that episode apart from in a moment but every line apart from that one moment he's laughing throughout yeah and when you actually see him when something isn't funny he's a completely different person yeah when there's actually a serious situation that needs to be dealt with yeah yeah or the fact that he looked like he's fearing for his life during yeah well yeah because Henry Henry does go off a bit, and we'll get to we'll get to a clip of that in a second. Um, but uh, yeah, so for our journey, I wonder what the journey on the way back was for like from. He must have been really really depressed. He'd been looking forward to that all year. The the lookalikes competition, if he hosts it every year, yeah, and he, it's probably the best thing in his part. Like he's probably got a really boring parish, and this is like, oh, I can't wait to see Ted again. Remember the last time? To be honest, he probably spends the next year laughing. About the events that happened at it. Yeah. So, he goes, he gets his memories, and that's him set for a year. He probably has a pretty good story about, you know, a major BBC celebrity going off the wagon. But he can't tell anyone because he can't actually get the words out of his mouth when, yeah. he's, when he's trying to recall it to them. Then again, to him it wasn't a funny situation, so... Ah, but it's funny when you look back. Ah, uh, true. It wasn't funny, like, you know, when you're looking for te- Jack's slippers. It's not funny at the time. When you look back in it, though... Do you remember... Do you remember... Why do you remember... <laughs> <laughs> that makes me... Do you really think Jack would be concerned if he lost his slippers? Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't think he would. Uh, maybe he was stoiled or they get him out to clips or something. But this is the same man who, earlier in this episode, drank a bottle of toilet duck. Well, he's clearly not in in medias res, as they say in law. He's not in the, he's not of a sound mind. But uh, it's, uh, you know, I'm sure Mrs. Doyle probably looking for the spare slippers so they could take him out. Yeah, the probably... Mrs. Doyle or Dougal or somebody was more concerned about the fact that the slippers were missing. The slippers so. were gone, and then they they found them <laughs> after a while. Now, Ted, 
obviously with Starstruck, he wants to he wants to make sure that Henry knows that they're going to try and do their best for him. Yeah. And get them anything. Anything. And I mean anything. For Henry... Now, the implication there is that he's offering... Well, what I got from it is that they're offering, like, sort of women or drugs. That would come down to just Ted as a character. And that it's going to be an empty promise. No matter what, you'll say to him, I can get you anything. And then as soon as you ask for it, you'll probably be like, well, no, I can't get you that. But I think that would be what would actually happen. Like, if he had said to him, if it was drugs related, say, if he said, I want a big bag of Coke, they'd be like, wow, I mean, it's Craig Allen, we can't get you that. It's just very empty it's sort of promises. Good, yeah. Just Ted trying to make him think, you know, we're on your level kind of thing, maybe. Well, I, I think uh, I think Tom would have a line on how to get some Coke onto that. Well, that's true. You know, he's, he's definitely got, he's definitely a dodgy one. And, you know, John and Mary. I mean, how, how well regulated? How well regulated do you think their shop is? And it's a yeah. very all-purpose shop, like you, you know. Yeah. He might not go in and ask for it himself, <laughs> but he'll. He can send some lackey down, like. Yeah, true, true. I do put it down. I think Ted's maybe just trying to make, trying to big himself up, trying to make it seem like he's somebody on the island or something to the celebrity. Well, see, he probably would be. He probably would be the most significant person. He is the priest. The yeah, yeah, small the, island. The like, parish priest thing. True. Uh, so he, he probably is the most important person but the one thing that he can't get is the English, English papers. papers that was an hilarious line now back in the 90s well I don't know what it was like down south I would have liked to have somebody from down south on today just asking this but you know English papers when we went down to visit our family down in Meave a place outside Navin you know you couldn't get, you couldn't even get the northern papers like you couldn't get the oh, Irish really? news yeah and we couldn't get well we wouldn't get the Belfast Telegraph but we couldn't get we couldn't get any of the English papers Whereas now, like all the Irish papers have just been taken over by English, you know, media companies, and they're all yeah. fucking shite. Well, there's a few decent Irish papers, but like, there's now the fucking Irish Sun and the Irish Daily Mail, and they're two fucking scumbag papers. And uh, see, they're not really papers that you would read anyway for news. They're papers that you read for entertainment. That's only a very modern thing. Like back when this episode was shown, oh, there yeah. would have been none of that. You would have just read the newspaper to get the news, the sports, oh, yeah. and the TV listens. But on. even like. Again, those ones, they not would have been like, you know, false news, fear mongering and stuff like that. Well, that's that's what's crept into it. And, and that's, again, still happening nowadays as well. You know, you read the Daily Mail and they'll take like this really insignificant story, like a puppy who got his tail caught in the door and they'll all of a sudden make it sound like that puppy was a terrorist ready to blow up the nation. Yeah. So. Well, it was a German puppy. It was a German shepherd. Oh, yeah. So that's the dude that would latch on that. It'd be like he was yeah. a Nazi. That yeah. puppy, he had a Hitler tash, everything. Is he this was, what the EU does for you? It's like as soon as his tail got caught in the door, his paw was up and he was saluting Hitler. <laughs> and that's what those sort of papers would do. Well, I do want to give you an actual example. Um, the Irish Daily Mail, now, very recently, about maybe four or five weeks ago, there was a, um, a really tragic drowning. A car full of people drowned off the coast of Bronkrana. Yeah, I remember that. And there was one surviving member of the family well actually the, the baby survived the baby was in the car and she was shepherded to safety and then this this journalist showed up at the wake and just started interrogating the mum at the wake yeah uh, and it was like what the fuck is this gutter journalism bullshit is that like how can it like in my job somebody fucking calls in and they start telling me like you know a fucking depressing story because it does happen you know I had a guy the other week come in and he was telling me how his wife has dementia and she's, he doesn't remember him and stuff but I just left it at that. I just went, okay, I'm very sorry to hear that. I moved on. This guy is going to the fucking wake. Yeah. And harassing her about her dead family. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Henry Sellers wants to go and see the other the other priest island. And obviously Ted doesn't, want, to, doesn't want to go over there. Well, why is that, Father? They're lepers. <laughs> so, leprosy. Let's talk about leprosy. 
What is is it actual disease or is it? Uh, it is actual disease, yeah. But it's not still a thing anymore. Is it just like a really bad form of eczema or something, or is it? I can't. I did look this up a while ago because Teresa asked me about it, right. and Teresa's a bit like a big child. You know, she asks you something, you have to go look it up and give her the answers. She's like, "But why?" But I remember looking up. I can't remember the exact things, but hang on, I'll have a look at it while we talk here. I remember just being in an RAE class and, you know, Jesus going to the leper colonies and stuff. And yeah, and the way it was always made out to me in school was, like, people were walking around with one arm. Yeah. And stuff like, they were just walking along and their arm just flopped off. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And it's like, well, if this disease was still an issue, surely it would be seeing people walking down the street and, you know, their fingernails would fall off, like in The Simpsons when... Well, that's the thing, I don't... It, I don't think it's ever as extreme as it's made out to be. I mean, looking at it, it does. It just looks like it's a far worse uh, skin condition, a really bad. Skin right. Condition. Okay. What's the first paragraph there in the article? Also known as Hansen's disease, is a long-term infection caused by bacteria. Not even going to attempt to pronounce that word. Initially, infections are without symptoms and typically remain this way from five to as long as twenty years. Symptoms that develop include granulomas of the nerves respiratory tract skin and eyes and this may result in a lack of ability to feel pain here it's like a superhuman it doesn't feel pain yeah and a lack ugly yeah (laughs) yeah and thus loss of parts of extremities due to repeated injuries or infection due to unnoticed wounds weakness and poor eyesight may also be present so you can lose things from it but it's got to be like if you're constantly slamming your hand on a door or something yeah like constant damage and stuff and it builds up over time so, yeah, because, as you said, the image we were presented as children was, you know... Like the Black Knight from Monty Python. Yeah. No limbs. <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly, yeah. They were just, like, these... You were wheeled out on a wheelbarrow and yeah. uh, sort of tried, kept away from proper society. But then Jesus strode in and just saved the day. Look at Island's leper colony, according to Ted. I, I do like that it's sort of an ongoing joke throughout this. And I guess it's, it's sort of like real life as well. Um, anytime somebody is trying to stop someone or trying to get someone to do something, or being questioned, basically, they'll come up with an excuse and then they'll quickly backtrack on it. Dougal did it in the first episode. Yeah. Said uh, the cliffs were closed. And this one, he goes, oh, they're lepers. And he goes, lepers. And then he backtracks on back, it and says, well, no, they're yeah. not lepers. Uh, yeah, yeah. They come up with some really bad excuse, and then yeah. when they're called out, and it's like, oh shit! That's yeah, like <laughs> yeah, they realize immediately. Of course, with like even Father Stone, the entire first part of that is them trying to come up with an excuse to get him out of the to room. get out of the house, and it's yeah. not working. Yeah, yeah and they're exactly. just backtracking over it. It's like you know, oh well, we're going on holiday, and he's like, oh okay. Yeah, <laughs> but we're going to play another clip now. Me and you have been keeping a running tally of <laughs> the times Mrs. Doyle has said, "Ah, go on." Now, I said that I don't think she says it that much, and I think it's a catchphrase that's been attributed to her through a prism of the past. Yeah. This might completely debunk that argument. Let's play the clip and we'll find out why. I won't have a sherry, thank ah, you. Ah, don't be silly now, of course you No, will. no, no, really, I shouldn't. Go on, it'll help you sleep. No, 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 it's not a good idea. You go ahead. Just a little drop, just a teeny tiny bit. The day a little bit of sherry hurts anyone is the day Ireland doesn't win the Eurovision Song Contest. <laughs> No, 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 really, I shouldn't. Ah, go on, go on, go on. Go on, go on. Go on, go on, go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. No, seriously, I can't. Go on, 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 go on. 25. 
25 times we counted, and that took me three times to count how many. I'm still not entirely sure that it is 25. Well, we both counted together earlier, yeah, and we both got 25. So I'd say it'd be right. I'd say we're pretty on the nose. So that puts our count up to 28. 28 so in far in four episodes. But now this is this is the key. Does she say it much after this? I this is near... always a clip that's shown whenever they're showing. Oh, this is her catchphrase. I'm it? near sure she does because I think there's one where she goes on for a lot longer than that. Really? But I, I could be wrong on that. It might be this episode that I'm thinking of, but I've just maybe extended how long she says it for. Now, I'm going to be I'm gonna be a bit of pedant here. I said when she says, I'll go on, mm-hmm. because she does write it down on cue cards in a future episode, which we'll get to. But just to put everyone, just to put everyone into context here, we're at 28 now in four episodes. So that's an average of seven per episode. So the average has gone up quite significantly. Mm-hmm. But if she's, if she's writing on a cue card, Technically, it's still there. It's okay. Well, we'll count the we'll count the cue cards in. I think she comes up. You know, okay, she's not able to say it for whatever reason, but she's still thinking it and she wants to say it, so she's written it down. She's written it down. She's preempted it. Yeah, but twenty-eight agoons were up to so, and twenty-five were just in this episode. Just in that episode, but again, even before it got to the, the twenty-five. The inventiveness of she just wants him to drink the cup of tea. I'm sorry, the sherry. I'll, I'll rephrase that. She wants him to drink the sherry because that's very important. And she is she's extremely inventive in her sort of. We both work in call centres. You'll know what I'm saying. Objection handling. Yeah. She's very, uh, very good objection handling. Uh, where she comes up with a different sentence every time. And the best bit, and it's a very subtle little touch. Ted says, "Oh sure, one wee sherry won't hurt anyone." And while while Henry's turned away for that split second, she's actually managed to put the drink in his hand, and he didn't even notice. He's just suddenly holding this uh, sherry in his hand, and he yeah suddenly then uh, whenever she gets to the point of you know go on go on go on go on, it's just a yeah it's just a so, reflex movement just to throw it back into his, his <laughs> color play. <laughs> it's very it's very well handled scene. Uh, yeah, again you're saying about that it's a case like the physical comedy and stuff, and it, as you said, she just got it in his hand without him noticing really. Yeah, and I don't think many. Viewers would have noticed that either. The else I didn't catch yeah. it. So like, it's only when you so said it. So subtle and it's so uh, like she, she, you can see it in her face. She's doing it with mischief mm-hmm. as well. Uh, it's it's a brilliant little moment that I think it, it, just because the scene it's in, it sort of get overlooked. But it's yeah. you know it's a great little scene that. Obviously, he has his first sip of sherry now. He's been on the wagon for for about a year at this point. Now Ted doesn't know that, so let's just see what happens when he has his first sip. What a shower of bastards! <laughs> Ted, why did you give him a drink? I didn't know this had happened. Ah, but that's why they sacked him from that programme. He's a terrible alcoholic. He's been on the wagon now for a year. Oh, my God, Ted. How was I supposed to know? Sack me! Sack me! I made the BBC! (laughs) I made it! He can't hold his drink, can he? No. Definitely not at this point, anyway. Um, and again, probably one drink of sherry because we've seen how quickly he reacts, and we'll see that again. But the state of the room 
afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's still the same night. It's probably still the same five-minute period. Probably not much has changed. And that room is completely trashed. Yeah. Like, that's rock star level of trashed. Yeah, that's the Who <laughs> putting Rolls Royces into swimming pools. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's not even done yet because he turns around and he boots the TV and just smashes the screen. That TV that takes TV. a hell of a beating. Yeah, I was going to say, that TV's been through the wars all right. Yeah, like, what was it, twice in the first episode and now again? Yeah. And, and Ted gives an extra kick just for luck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love the way Ted's trying to handle it as well. He's like, he's obviously not used to confrontation like this. Like, he's sitting there, he kicks the TV and. Uh, he just turns around. He goes, "What? You want to fight?" And like Ted's like, "Whoa!" Like yeah, he's moving the arm. He doesn't really yeah. know what to do. Yeah. <laughs> when you have somebody who's just ridiculously, ridiculously drunk like that, it is hard to try and get onto the same level as them. There's yeah. Some people are really good at it, and usually what they do is just be just shout at them. Well, not shout at them. Uh, just really, really strong. Yeah. Uh, with their just delivery, stern with it and stuff. Stern. And that's the word I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, and it usually it is just all fronting up and stuff. Whereas Ted almost seems playful. Yeah, I mean, with somebody's that volatile, unpredictable, you really don't want to, you know, put Take them in a position off. where they're going to like swing at you. Do yeah. you know what I mean? And you know, I'd say Henry's got a few pounds on on Ted, and maybe a definitely. better better reach as well. So I'd say I'd go on. I'd put a pound on Henry. Yeah, I I definitely would put a fiver on. Fiver, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> make it make it serious, make it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but like is again, he's still not even finished trashing the place because then he just. You know, that window has taken some damage as yeah. well. He just goes and throws himself right out the window. <laughs> yeah, that, that window will have a much much more difficult time than TV over the course of the series, I think. Yeah, uh, I remember. Um, it does get smashed quite does. a lot. Uh, like, like I said, I'd have to go back. Well, obviously the interior scenes aren't filmed in the, the house, but I'm sure there's another scene where they're outside the house and somebody comes through that window, but we'll, we'll, well save that for them. Yeah, because that was in the that second episode, Father Stone. Yes, and that's right. Yeah. I think it happens again later. I'm near sure you see him going for it. So, like, like, like we mentioned before, they must have to replace that whole frame to do that. Yeah, in this episode, you never see it from the outside. Yeah, so, so it's at least done in a it's on the set. Yeah, obviously they've got the set set up with uh, you know the proper design and stuff, and then somebody's just had to go in and be like, right, we got to trash this room now. Yeah, and then it's like, all right, we got to fix it up again. But it's most likely two different sets or something, probably just all wheeled off. But even then. Somebody had to design how that room looked trashed. Uh, well, yeah, definitely. Lonnie would have. Well, probably the props department would have thrown everything, and he would say something like, ah, "Need this here." And that needs to be. So there'd be some little touch that he would have thrown in as well. Yeah, and like they probably obviously had the mantelpiece set because he's like, "Well, we're gonna have him just clear that in a yeah. second." So, <laughs> which I like the way he does. He just bottle just slams it down, drags it across, and. Everything just falls, including the uh, Ludo trophy. The Ludo, I love the up. design of the Ludo trophy. Ludo trophy. But then we came third in the Ludo trophy. I would like to see what the first prize for that was. Probably bigger, just. Yeah. When was the last time you played Ludo? See, uh, remember we were chatting about the spare rooms Never. in the house? Yeah. I, I've got this theory. Leon, Leon brought it up in one of the episodes. The house is massive. What, what are they doing with all the rooms? I think one room is dedicated solely to board games. Because this is the fourth so. board game we've seen, like. Oh, is it? Yeah. Because we got Ludo. Uh, yeah, we had Cluedo last week. Cluedo, right. And then, uh, Good game. What we had one in the first episode, the Jigsaw. Does that count as a board game? Well, you know, that sort of... Yeah, that box of a stuff. T- a tabletop thing. Yeah. And we will get other things like Buckaroo and stuff in the, in the future. Yeah, true. But then again, they're always playing them in the main room. But you mean but, maybe yeah. one dedicated to storage? Storage, storing like just reams and reams of these board games. Like That'd be my dream. Yeah. That'd be cool, actually. Yeah. I'd love my board games. Though. Probably all alphabetical-ized and stuff. Cause between making tea, what does Mrs. Doyle really have to do? But... No. Well, probably make sandwiches. And make sandwiches, yes, yeah, yeah. quite a well, quite a lot of sandwiches. 
when you see the amount, uh, amount of sandwiches in the corner, do you really think, oh, I better break some more? Because Mrs. Dog. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> She's like, oh, look, you're running out of sandwiches. And it's like, there's clearly a fucking mountain up yeah. there. <laughs> the BBC that's a line of the show yeah recurring sure. line uh, yeah that is one of the the most iconic lines in Father Ted among about a dozen and a half like careful night careful night yeah well we did that last week so we didn't yeah, no, get but I, I wanted to get in there <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but I made the BBC like he's a really tragic character a really tragic character yeah. uh, Henry Sellers because he's clearly got some a real vanity issue especially with his hair <laughs> and Dougal keeps pointing it out but he does take all Dougal's you know uh, social difficulties he doesn't actually come back at him and he, he's you know he, he keeps stoom about that even though he was in his rights to you know give him the back of the hand like yeah he's clearly got some history with priests being the sanctimonious scumbags who ruined his life <laughs> and here he is having to judge a priest competition like he's probably in a very bad way and he has been trying to like, rebuild his life a little piece at a time so from going from a BBC quiz show which is a big thing for a presenter yep. to now doing this out in the sticks somewhere yeah he's you know it, and having to deal with a four hour drive of a guy who keeps laughing exactly yeah and so yeah, even the journey is through Ireland isn't even that enjoyable mm-hmm. but and so then he has one one little drink and it completely flies him off the handle. So you can imagine why all that stress was building up. Yeah. And how it came out like. But he's smashed through the window and he's gone missing. So this in turn is going to be causing Ted stress because he needs to find him. Well, they go out to look for him and we have a first appearance of the guard. Now, again, the guard will show up much more prominently in a later episode. So we'll talk about him then. I haven't even caught his name yet. I don't think he's actually mentioned this next episode. I do love his personality. He's great. I can't wait to have a proper chat about him. He mentions that there's a lot of rock stars and actors and film stars that come to the island. So, Craggy Island is a rehab resort. Seems that way. I guess it's probably because there's choice. nothing to do on it, though. Unless, unless you get run into Tom, because as we know, he's got the line. Yeah, he must have something. He's got the line on getting you a line. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, a very popular rehab resort. I wonder what the, the public information video for that would be. <laughs> I don't want to imagine. <laughs> and then we go on to the actual lookalike competition now. Just for the benefit of people who might not have seen Stars in Their Eyes, it was an incredibly popular TV show in the 1990s on ITV. It was getting, you know, routinely about 13 million viewers every week. Oh well, at least for the grand finals. Hosted by, at the time, Matthew Kelly. Not not Henry Kelly, Matthew Kelly. Too mm-hmm. many Kellys back then. Mm-hmm. Patties get everywhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> it was the precursor to what became then Britain's Got Talent and everything. Yeah. And uh, even then, this was just a bit of fun, really. You know, yeah, you, it was. You got to go on, they did you all up in the makeup. You know, you went out, you sang a song, and then you left. Yeah. You know, nobody was fucking bitter at the end because they voting. didn't win the grand prize. Yeah. You know, you just, it was a bit of fun. It was karaoke. It was glorified it was, karaoke. It, that's exactly what I was about to say. It is just karaoke. It's not even glorified. It's just, it's, it's karaoke brought to its natural conclusion where mm-hmm. you actually get on TV and the costume and everything yeah. of the person you're actually impersonating. But one of the things, now you won't mind me saying this, <laughs> he, 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 do not think he looks at like. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think the Ziggy Stardust character looks a bit like Goldust from WWF? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't think who it was, but he did remind me of somebody, and that's it. Yeah, I think that's Barty was chatting about as well. Yeah. He, he won't mind him saying that, though. But, uh, I like how he, he very quickly must have realised he did have wrong, because he was like, he won't mind me. <laughs> oh, no. no <laughs> Never mind. Yeah. And they ventured into very, very dangerous territory with the Supremes. Yeah, and well, you've seen my reaction whenever they cut that... Um, the priest from Rugged Island and says uh, yeah they go down or else and two of the Supremes and it just cuts to the three priests 
in blackface. In blackface, yeah. Like, it was on the verge of being very racist. But, but where, where is the line with blackface, though? Well, this is the thing. For the sake of comedy, I think that was fine. Because they aren't doing that in a way to be racist or offensive or anything. They were just doing it for the sake of comedy. They were doing it because they knew that was pushing on the boundary. Yeah. You know, it's like these priests are meant to be completely oblivious to the fact that this is sort of a racist thing they've done. So that's where the comedy comes from. It. Well, a few other things have done blackface in the interim. Uh, most notably, well, the first thing that springs to my mind anyway is Peep Show. They mm-hmm. did blackface and they did get in a little bit of hot water, but I think... It's all about... It's about context. It's how you handle it and what you're doing with it. Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're... Like, you look at Tropic Thunder. I've never actually seen the film, but Robert Downey Jr. is playing a white guy playing a black guy. Yeah, he's, like, playing an actor playing a black guy. Playing a black actor, yeah. So, like, that, you could say, well, he had to get blacked off that, which he did, but it was for the sake of... In the film, it's the sake of comedy, because... Well, Always Sunny as well. Yeah, they've done it a few times. Done a few times with the Lethal Weapon episodes yeah. and stuff. And I, th- and again, I think it's... they're sort of reaching out to see where the line is. That's not even that. It's, that's it. it just all depends. And the whole thing they're doing is that it's these characters aren't aware of how offensive they're actually being. Yeah, you know, and that's where the humor comes from. In it, it'd be different if you were putting it on the screen to be offensive. If you were just blacking someone up just to take the piss out of. Yeah, I don't know. I can't really speak with any authority on this because obviously I'm a white person, but. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know where the line is, and I don't know. As you say, they're not trying to be offensive. You don't necessarily have to try to be offensive to be offensive. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Remember, we've still got one more act to go. Oh yes. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome on onto the stage. <laughs> the lad. Father <laughs> Ted Crilly with Father Maguire and Father Hackett. <laughs> Elvis Presley was a simple truck driver from America, but one day in the 1950s, he invented rock and roll. The three Elvises were presented on stage by Dougal, Jack and Ted, and they got a a perfect 10 from the judge, Henry Sellers. Yeah. So they had a very successful weekend after all the stress they had to go through. Kind of. I feel like it's a bit of a turnaround for those three priests because normally it doesn't work out for them like usually they sort of just about recover from a situation or something like they just get out of it but in this case they actually won they came out on top for once yeah well then they have got comeuppance before but this they didn't actually do anything to deserve any comeuppance i mean i think they were they were all very well behaved yeah the episode they gave it jack was reasonably well behaved yeah surprisingly supposed to be that is something we forgot to hit on as far as I know, that's Jack's first full line. I was going to say, I think that might be one of his longest lines in the show. Yeah, um, like it's at, and it's probably the first one that doesn't have a swear in it. It was a lovely delivery. It was a lovely reading of the the line as well. Like, yeah, it wasn't just shouted and barked. His attempt at being polite. Well, just conversational. Well, yeah, yeah. for him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they come through and they get the three stage of Elvis. Now, I haven't had a chance to look through the DVD commentaries. But I've, I've read that Graham Linehan doesn't actually like the fact that they did that at the end of the episode. How come? He said it was a pretty cliched sign of running running out of ideas for from a writer's point of view. I thought it was quite creative. Yeah, I thought I thought it fit fine. Like it wasn't. It didn't just seem like jumping through the next cliched hoop. Like it was it was a bit of a jump from they had nothing to do. They had to sober Jack up, and they were they were screwed. Till suddenly, I've got an idea. 
Let's run with it. But and not only there, it sort of goes against everything Ted was trying to work for, for the competition, where he wanted to be the only Elvis. Yeah. And his idea was actually, we'll all be Elvis. Yeah. You know, it, it, I thought it was really creatively handled. It, but yeah, it did, it did the job. I don't know why they were so... Like, like I said, I haven't heard it, and I do mean to get the DVDs now, so yeah, I can get the DVD look. commentaries. Um, yeah, I think they were a bit hard on themselves, because, as I said, the overall episode was brilliant. Yeah, it was... They, they, they invented a brilliant character who's now completely forgotten in... And even myself, I remember watching that as a kid and seeing the ending and thinking it was absolutely thing as a child. But I thought it was hilarious, and even, you know, my mum and all, she thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Like, it was unexpected. And if you haven't seen the episode before, you don't know that's going to come. Yeah. You just know he's got an idea, and... And Ted trying to do the dances and do the splits nearly rips yeah. his leather treasures. It all comes down to the physical side of comedy, even when Jack appears doesn't really do anything he just has this big burger in his hand he's got the cigarette hanging out of his mouth yeah. and he doesn't even he looks like he doesn't know where the burger came from he just picks it up and just looks at it for a second and then just sets it back down looking really confused basically the, the fact that we have is that Elvis was found with a burger in his hand on the toilet yeah the assumption immediately made was that he choked on the burger what it may have turned out subsequently it may have turned out to be is that he had a heart attack from trying to What's the word I'm looking for here? He was putting too much uh, stress or putting too much effort into into relieving himself or to dropping the kids at the pool. Yeah, and it gave him a heart, gave him a heart attack. Possibly could happen. Either way, it was an extremely undignified death for uh, the king. Rock star, such a public figure. Yeah, and you know it was, it was, that was another tragic because he he was being in the fifties. He was just like wonderfully svelte, uh, you know, sex symbol. Mm-hmm. And by the seventies, he was just this overweight mess. Yeah, just. <laughs> Just, just taking the money in at Vegas and terrible husk of a man. I suppose that's what fame can do to you. I can't wish I'm famous. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait till I die on a toilet. Yeah, I probably will be how I go. Well, on the throne where you should. Yeah, yeah, it's where I deserve to be. But to sum up, then, when we get to the end of the series, the podcast series, I want to have a top five episodes. Mm-hmm. Whether or not I ranked them, we'll decide at the time. This is definitely a contender, and last week was it a contender. Yeah, well, would you agree? I missed last week's, but I do know the episode, and I would have said, yeah, that would definitely be in my top. That'd be in my top five, probably be in my top three. Top three, right? Um, right. This one also would be in my top three. You see, now you've only got one space left. I know, and I already have an idea of what one that is. Oh, do you? Okay, mm-hmm. then. Well, I just don't know which it? order to put them in. I was going to make a top ten, but since there's only twenty four episodes. It's a bit of a. It's pretty much half. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's used as exercise. So top five is much more challenging. Uh, so we get to the end, and when we get to the episode you think is going to round out your top three, give us a shout at the time. Don't don't spoil it for us. Mm-hmm. But this episode, it seems to have entered into my uh, subconscious much more aggressively than maybe I'd realised, because I wrote a play a few years ago called Setting Up for Michael. I remember it. It was set in a warehouse in County Tyrone, where I'm from, and it was just a little a little like snapshot of. 21st century Irish culture I realised that one of the characters was offering tea and sandwiches quite a lot and it would invite obvious comparisons to Mrs Doyle which wouldn't be without merit like it definitely was very similar Yeah. but there's also a drunken buffoon who has a very tragic backstory in the play just like our Henry Sellers friend mm-hmm. and there's in a, in a different play that I did as part of a, a double act called CLG uh, about uh, two rival GA clubs. There's a scene where they're trying to decide something with a coin toss, and the coin gets lost in the end. Probably that scene. And uh, yeah, so clearly this episode has just earwormed its way into my brain, and yeah. it's now affecting my output. So <laughs> basically, I'm subconsciously stealing all the talent of uh, Gremlin and Arthur Matthews. 
Well, wouldn't say stealing. <laughs> you know, you can borrow Repurposing. things. Repurposing. I mean, you can take the same idea and do it in a different way. Do it a different way, exactly. I mean, so. I'll, not, I'll not beat myself up too much unless I find the next episode is set in a wakehouse. I want to say, I like the ending of this episode. Because obviously, earlier in the episode, he went on the Raz and got extremely drunk and leapt out the window and they had to catch him with a tranquilizer gun yes. from the, uh, the policeman. But I also like how the episode ends where he's basically thinking, well, you know, maybe I can handle one one drink. He says, if I can't celebrate, what can I do? Takes a drink and just immediately, mid-sentence, just cuts into his rant again. Well, it was a great performance by... Yeah. Uh, I'll check this I'm not even going to attempt to try and do the line justice because I'm not an actor. Well, no, actually, I can't remember the words, but Niall Buggy is his name, and he's actually quite a... Quite a, a, a well-to-do actor. Um, he's won Olivier Awards, and he was in Alien Three. Was he? Yeah. Uh, uh, Olivier Alien Award is a theatre award, so the theatre version of the Oscars. Mm-hmm. And you will find people who think that if you win the best actor Olivier, you're a better actor than the best actor Oscar. Oh. So the fact that he's won one shows how, how good an actor he was, and just the performance itself was yeah, spot on. <laughs> when he gets the, the drop of sherry, and as you said, he, he's a bit blasé about the fact that he, he went off the rails last time because everyone tried to protect his embarrassment. Yeah, they told him nothing happened, he didn't do anything bad, he just got really hungover. And he's like, oh, well, that's alright, then I'll have, a, I'll have a drink here, it's fine. Mm-hmm. And just see the way his demeanour drops from chirpy and celebratory to bitter and, and twisted. Hateful. Yeah, uh, just within the space of about ten words. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely perfect. And you can see like just the curls of his lips just yeah. sort of go and go down and go down. And, uh, and he just it, leaps out the window again. Yeah, just and straight out the window, yeah. <laughs> Twice now the window's been smashed. Three times all Three times altogether. We should probably do a running count of that, actually. Yeah, that'd be a good one today. Yeah, I think the TV's had it today now, so we'll, we'll do a re- running count of the window then. So we're up to three on the window. Gotta figure out how much money those priests have to replace that window so often. That's twice in the space of a day. Well, uh, thanks very much for uh, joining us on another journey through uh, Father Ted episode. Uh, this time it was competition time, season one, episode four. Have a like and subscribe and give us a rating and review on iTunes so we can jump up the listings a bit and more people can enjoy going back through Father Ted with us. Is there anything you'd like to say, Vince? No. To, to our parishioners? Nothing. No, no. Nothing at all. No. Good, no, good, good, I said good. it all during this. Well, I've been your host, James, and uh, this has been Vince, and we will see you again next time then. <laughs> um, bless you.